Hey, what's up, guys? Thank you for joining me, Dr. LeHue. Uh, we're talking about uh, ones, and we are talking about the uh, the leadership core characteristics of type ones. So, if you're a one, thank you for joining me in this video, and I hope that it, this will be able to put into some words um, the way you feel and the way you think about leading. Those of you who work with ones or live with ones, this will help you understand better. What's going on in the mind and the heart of a one? A one is a person, of course, that is has an inner sense of what's right and wrong, a very strong inner sense of what's right and wrong. Their uh, sin is anger, and they, um, they really try to keep that anger from being expressed. Um, they want to be good. They want to do what's right. They're very compelled to follow um, that inner voice to do the right thing, to be virtuous and to have integrity and to be dependable and reliable and all those good things that we applaud. Um, but this can sometimes cause a great deal of frustration in the life of the, um, the perfectionist, the reformer, and sometimes can cause a lot of frustration in the lives of those who work with and deal with um, the, uh, the type one. So let's go through a list, um, and talk about, uh, what it looks like to be a leader and what the core characteristics are of type one leaders. Um, the first one is type one leaders are very conscientious and concerned with integrity. Now, integrity of course means being who you say you are, doing what you say you're going to do, doing what you're responsible for, and I think ones extremely feel this responsibility to be uh, who they claim to be and to do what they've said they were going to do and what they've agreed to do. They're very methodical and very detail-oriented and very ethical. They, are, uh, they tend to be moral people or at least live moral lives. You never know really what's going on on the inside in anyone. But on the ex outside, externally, uh, the, the perfectionist, the reformer, is trying to live up to the high ideals that live with inside them. Of course, they are an anger type, and uh, I think of the, the three anger types, eights, nines, and ones, as being people that can easily get frustrated with other people when they don't see other people living up to those same standards, uh, blowing off work, blowing off assignments, not taking things seriously. You'll see the anger, um, or somebody that's being deceptive or being um, you know, dishonest, um, not working a full day, but expecting the pay, those kinds of things really frustrate type one leaders because they are driven by that inner voice of integrity. It's as if the type one learned at an early age that um, they had to parent themselves and they had to make sure that they moderated their own behavior or else they would be criticized. And that was very painful to be criticized externally by a parent or by a, um, a caregiver. And I think what's happening to some degree is as you move around that, that dial and you get to the um, uh, away from the eight and away from the nine and at the one, you're right next to the shame group. Twos, threes, and fours are the worth and shame group. And so it's like the ones are picking up a little bit of that energy from the shame group. Uh, they've got that anger and that inner drive, but they don't want to be criticized and they don't want to be... Uh, picked at and so they start to criticize and pick themselves and pick at themselves and, and uh, you know look for everything that needs to be done right so they can in a sense kind of stay out of trouble uh, stay out of trouble with themselves and certainly stay out of trouble with others so it's as if you start to blend the anger with the shame group um, uh, right there at that edge 
you're picking up that responsibility to not do the wrong thing and to be a worthwhile person and to be uh, do a worthy job and make others proud of you and be proud of yourself. Okay, so integrity is a big thing for type ones. Uh, number two, a tendency to be judgmental. Okay, now I guess judgmental, we always think about the worst aspects of that as um, you know, looking down your nose at someone else. But it doesn't necessarily always mean that this person is a judgmental uh, in a negative way. Just judgmental of judging what's right, what's fair, what's good, what's not good, what's appropriate, what's inappropriate, what should be done, what the correct behavior is, uh, what the incorrect behavior is. All of those are judgments. And those judgments come from inside the, um, the, uh, the type one. They don't look necessarily to an external list. They just intuitively know based on their upbringing, based on their um, their input that they've had over their lifespan. They are going to um, uh, to judge everything based on that internal guidance system of what's right and wrong. They just know what's right and wrong. Uh, they just feel it in their gut that this is what we need to do and this is what needs to happen. And then they're a compliant type, meaning they're going to comply their behavior and their actions. They're going to want their actions and behavior to comply to that inner voice, that intuition, or that inner guidance system uh, that, that tells them right and wrong and what behavior should be done. Not only do ones judge almost everything they do in terms of how perfect it is, according to who? Well, again, according to that inner ideal uh, of what the quality of what should be done, uh, they also can at times become very critical of others. And I think ones don't want to be critical of others. Um, it's just they're comparing everything against that internal guidance system of what should be done and what shouldn't be done. And, you know, of course, I've read many times that if you are criticized by a type one, you're just getting a, a little glimpse of what's going on inside their head. So if a one comes at you with you know disappointment, frustration, anger, um, and and they verbalize that, um, you know it could be very disheartening and disappointing you know to hear that kind of frustration. Um, but you're just getting a glimpse of what they're listening to all the time. They're getting a glimpse of the voice that they're hearing um, in their you know in their inner guidance system. Okay, um, number three. There's one right way to do things. So one of the leadership characteristics of ones is they kind of have that operative system that there's one right way to do things. And it can be difficult for ones then to adapt strategies or adapt ways of doing things to, uh, to others because in their mind they have the one right way of doing things and they want to do things that way. Um, number four, control and over control and micromanaging. Ones do think that they know best. They do think that they know what needs to be done and how things should be handled. Um, and they want to be in control of how things get done. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that they want to be the leader, um, they, but they want to be involved in that process. And they make great managers because they're willing to say what needs to be said and do what needs to be done in order to make sure the results get accomplished. And so a lot of ones are probably in management, certainly a lot of ones in the police department, military, um, just willing to take orders and then expect others under them to follow orders. And they're probably very surprised when people don't follow orders and when people don't do what they, they know they should do. So ones think they know what's best and they want to be in control of how things get done. And they want to help everybody by helping people meet high standards. 
and uh, do their job, do their task, and um, you know keep the quality, keep the quality up. Um, now I've talked before about how the radar is up in each each person, and I think the radar for ones is up detecting errors, detecting errors, detecting things that need to be done. Uh, I've seen you know ones. Um, you can't walk past trash on the ground. If they see trash on the ground or if they see something that needs to be straightened up, something that needs to be organized, something that's out of place, their radar screen is up for that all the time to uh, to sort of see what needs to be done. They're an action type first, but they are feeling next. So action, feeling, and then thinking. And so there's this need to act. What do you want me to do? What needs to be done? And this feeling of a compulsion that they need to help by going into action, that they need to serve, they need to take their responsibility seriously, and uh, you know get things done that need to get done. So they want to meet high standards, and they want others to meet high standards and expect that. Sometimes, of course, people working under type ones could could certainly feel micromanaged at times. They could feel like they're not being trusted, and really, that's part partly true. The the one knows that you know you don't have that inner critic in your head and so you might not do the right thing you might not do what you're supposed to do and you might not follow through and so they really feel like they've got to you know stay on top of you and make sure you get your stuff done now I guess if you can prove to them over time that you don't need to be managed that you don't need to uh, um, that you can get your stuff done and done in the right manner and done on time and done the way they want it, which means you're probably a one yourself, you know. Um, if you can prove to them that that they don't need to babysit you, then they might give you some more um, some more leeway, but even that is probably debatable. So one sincerely intends to be helpful and supportive. So they want to be good and being good is to be helpful. Uh, but they also have that responsibility to make sure the job gets done. And so that balance between being helpful and understanding and compassionate, they wrestle with that feeling aspect and also with that making sure that the job and the quality stays the way it's supposed to. All right, next, very results-oriented. So ones are very results-oriented. High-quality results feel like a personal must, like there's nothing else we can turn in. This can sometimes lead ones to be... Um, What's the word? Um, procrastinators. Because they, they, in a sense, are afraid to turn that paper in because it's never quite perfect enough. It's never quite done enough. They beat themselves up. Ones just beat themselves up with this unrealistic expectation of, of quality and perfection. And, um, and so that can keep them from ever going up and talking to a girl uh, going up and initiating conversations because what if I don't do this right or um, putting my name in for a big promotion because well what if I can't what if I can't measure up what if I can't um, and so life can be very difficult in times for ones because they they very much second guess themselves and and uh, and second guess everybody else as well but they're very results oriented and uh, they their work is a reflection of their integrity and their personal character. So they want to focus on um, their effort and produce the results that, um, uh, that they strive for. And they want to work very hard to make sure that their effort, their, their work, 
represents the same integrity that they're trying to live by. Okay, next. Ones can be hard to please. Ones can be hard to please. Ones um, want everything they do or touch to be the best. And um, they put that stress and that pressure on themselves and on others. They, when they can, when they can, um, when they can communicate that desire for quality well, it can be motivating. Because how can you argue with somebody who, under pressure or under stress, or when things aren't going well for the company, or when there's a time of transition, how can you argue with somebody who says, "Well, I can tell you what, we're going to do the right thing." We're going to stand up for what we believe in and do what we know is correct and we're going to provide the best service we can and we're going to meet demands. I mean, you can't argue with any of that. Nobody can sit on the corner and say, I think that's the wrong way to go. I think we should goof off, take it easy, play around. And no, you can't argue with somebody who's arguing for quality. You can't argue with somebody. And so that, that deep sense of do things the right way and do things right and give a hundred percent and everybody step up to the plate and everybody do what's expected of them that can be very motivational and it can help in times of of uh, transition it can be very helpful to hear that in times of um, um, you know when there's some apathy in the organization but um, you know it can also become very unrealistic and very stressful um it can put a lot of burden on people's shoulders that they have to live up to such high expectations that's what the one lives with all the time and they and they do this because they have that inner critic within them that's always challenging them but the rest of us who don't have that inner critic, it can be hard for us to sustain that kind of devotion and sustain that kind of uh, focus uh, over the long haul, and that's going to frustrate the the one when when they realize that everybody else, you know, can't necessarily be depended on to always show up early, work hard, stay late, and put all the tables and chairs away when it's over. Ones can then have a very difficult time delegating. Delegating can be really hard. That might be something that you need to work on if you're a one. And the reason, of course, is because how can you trust people to take the same care and responsibility that you would take? So you're going to have to let people fail. You're going to have to expect people to fail. You're going to have to expect people to not measure up to your perfectly high ideal standards. And be patient with people and look for improvement and encourage improvement when people don't necessarily meet up you know, to the perfect standard that you would like. Um, next, virtuous. Ones are very virtuous and seek to avoid blame. It can be very hard for ones to admit that they've done something wrong because wrong feels like something that they don't want to be. And so a lot of what they're doing as a one is trying to keep from being bad, quote unquote, keep from being wrong, keep from messing up, keep from failing uh, because it feels so uh, disgusting to have done the wrong thing. It feels so overwhelmingly frustrating to have not measured up. And when a one realizes that they've done something that's wrong, that they've failed, that they've not measured up, 
it can be very hard for them to apologize and to own that. And so if they do apologize, then you need to respect that. And if you've done something wrong, it doesn't mean that the one is forever going to ban you from their, you know, but you do need to own up to it. And when you apologize to a one, I think they'll respect that because they know how hard it is to admit failure. Um, even though they feel like a failure all the time, no matter how much they're accomplishing and how good they're getting things done and how things are turning around, again, their radar is up and they don't see the 75 things that have been corrected. They just see the 25 things that need to be uh, left done, that need to, be, need to be fixed. And so they're very hard on themselves and they can be hard on others. But when you admit your failures and when you admit your wrongdoing and you own up to uh, the disappointment you've caused, they can be very forgiving as well uh, because they constantly have to forgive themselves and they can be very forgiving um, with others as well. And they really want to do the right thing and the right thing is to forgive and let it go and, and go back to a good relationship with you. Um, they believe that if they're doing the right thing and follow the rules, then they can avoid the criticism and the shame. And look, there's where it is. See, I don't think eights care so much about that because they're not close to the shame group. They're close to the thinking group. Um, so ones closer to that shame group are working to withhold their anger and to maintain um, you know, integrity to um, preemptively strike by doing things right and therefore not initiating anyone to criticize or to blame them um, and so they're they're uh, working hard to to get things right to get things done well and the last thing is perfectionism and uh, uh, and, and being critical trying to make things perfect is a way for one's to validate their sense of worth. Again, they're close to that worth um, triad. So they feel important and they feel valuable when, they, when things work out according to plan. When things are planned, organized, and they work out according to plan. When things are improved, not just for themselves, but for everyone. They want to improve the world. They want fairness for everybody. They want, you know... Um, uh, the the company, the organization, the church to be a better place for every person. And if everybody would do what they were supposed to do and everybody would pitch in and everybody would serve equally and if everybody would give and everybody would show up and everybody would do what they were supposed to do, then it could be a much better community, a much better neighborhood, a much better home, church for everybody, company for everybody. And this is what's driving ones. Um, and that sense of proving their value and proving their worth uh, while improving everything and everyone. If they, if they can see uh, a dream of the way things ought to be, then they feel compelled to want to achieve that. And they get frustrated with themselves and they get frustrated with others when others just want to complain or others just want to criticize. And ones don't take criticism very well because you're adding fuel to the fire. When you start criticizing a one uh, don't be surprised when they hand the trash bag to you and say, you, you want to do it? You want to take this over? You want this responsibility? Uh, when you start picking at what they're doing, don't be surprised when, you, when that frustration, when you see it, their sin is anger. So when that frustration that they're keeping a lid on opens up, you start criticizing them, you can expect to, uh, uh, you know, for it to come back, come back at you. Uh, but what they envision they want to achieve 
they want to achieve that perfect standard or that you know uh, ideal standard. They are idealists, and um, that sometimes can fuel them to be hypercritical, um, especially when they begin to realize that perfection is not always possible. So thank you for joining me for this video. If you're interested in reading more, this is a great book, The Nine Types of Leaders, uh, Leadership by Beatrice Chestnut. Really good information, and I'll see you guys next time. Be present to life. Don't miss what's right in front of you because it doesn't measure up to your high ideals and standards. Thank you, guys. See you later.